Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. Each and every Wednesday, we interview creatives and we talk about honesty, their journey, vulnerability, and so much more. And my special guests today are Tasha, the Amazon, and Danthrax. They're artists, producers, musicians from Toronto. And we talked about the many different finesses, the flexes that you need to get to VIPs, they were specifically talking about South by Southwest, but you can apply this to anywhere you want to go. And I know I had to, as a journalist, when I'm coming up, when I had no credibility and had no famous people on my list, I had to use some of these tricks as well, too. And we talked about how Toronto still has a cultural insecurity when it comes to our art, their lowest points, and they talk about their inspiration. Tasha, the Amazon, and Danthrax on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Please introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Tasha, the Amazon. And I'm Danny Thrax. And together you are? <laughs> Basin Bakery. Basin yeah, Bakery. Basin Bakery. Welcome to the Come Up Show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, You guys just came not to like uh, South by Southwest recently? Yeah, Yeah. South by Southwest was kind of like the bow on the end of a year of touring. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we hit. All over the states, we did Europe, um, all over Canada, back down into like Latin America, and then uh, South by was like played a bunch of shows at South by, and we're like, we're going home. We're gonna hit the studio, make some new music. You got enough fuel, enough energy. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure, I think that even there's a part of us that was like, yo, do we even want to do this? But I'm so so glad that we did. You know, do you want to do South by Southwest? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. because like you know, we just wanted to even just do the one show, but another big opportunity came through, and we ended up. Uh, Tasha ended up opening for Tenache, um, and uh, and you know just being in that environment around all that excitement and all the all the other artistry. You know, I've come back. Tasha's come back with a whole. Yeah, other... it's not our first time at South by. Like we've gone, I think like three years in a row now. Last year was like the, it was, that's how we kicked off our tour. So we played like ten shows in six days or something like that, <laughs> like something ridiculous, and. Um, 
yeah, so this year we're kind of like, I don't know if we really want to go, but it's such a like rite of passage for artists. I think, you know, I remember our first time going to South By and it was like, we had no shows. We like finessed our way into some parties. No one knew who we were or anything, you know, and then, then you go from that to like kind of playing all the big shows and stuff. So this was kind of like the homecoming year. We're like, we're going to play like three big shows and then peace out. But it's like one of those things that artists kind of, you can't leave out. You know, yeah, because there's this whole story narrative right now about South by Southwest. Oh, it's too corporate. It's too big. Yeah. It's yeah, whack. Sure. The juice is gone. The prime has passed. That's what you hear on the timeline. But in yeah. reality, what do you, how did you, well, it, yeah. That's what I heard. And, yeah. and it even made me think, it's like, man, are we making a mistake doing this? But I don't know. It seemed better than ever. Um, I think the thing is you get out of South by, like everyone gets something different out of South by. But you get out of it what you're putting in, what you're looking for, you know. Um, a lot of people go there and they just play their, like, slotted showcases that South By gives them, you know. And at the end of the week, they're like, I didn't get a record deal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? But the whole thing is, uh, like, South By is not so much about the shows that you're playing or whatever. It's about the finesse. Like, there is low-key, everyone talks about the South By finesse, which is, like, get into the parties you weren't invited to, get on the list for things, you know, shake hands with people that you had no you are, business You have meeting. to learn, like, 30 different flexes. Yeah, really, it is. I mean, there's, like, a million people there, and it, people come from all all the states, from all around the world and everything, and everyone's looking for the same thing, which is, like, exposure, and, you know, as, as much as they can make happen in one week, as many people as they can meet. And you get that by... And going above and beyond. And meeting the movers and shakers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I would love to know what are the different flexes or finesses. <laughs> because I, myself, as a journalist, mm-hmm. you know, from when I started at day one and when I had no creation, I would, as long as I had the equipment and say, yo, I'm interviewing this yeah. person. And the security sizes me up and says, yeah. uh, okay. Well, there's a, there's a there's a couple different flexes. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I I could list 30 if you really wanted yeah, to. Dan's got, that would be the whole show. Yeah. Practical. <laughs> no. Let's go. Just oh. give us your top three yeah. favorite finesses. Oh, man. I still yeah. remember. This isn't this isn't technically South by, but I still yeah. remember at one point going into, like, a Red Bull show. And, like, Tasha's, you know, got the, got the cosign from Red Bull and you've know, done some stuff with them. So literally pull up the website and be like, yo, we're supposed to be in here. We're on Adrian's list. I don't even know who the fuck Adrian is. Is, is Adrian? You just came up with a name, Adrian, yeah. or yeah, you yeah. Just, I'm just like I don't know. Yeah. I'm just making up a name. It's like yeah. Adrian. Oh wait, it's is like, this the the? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Miami. I that wasn't even. But South that was. By. But that was immediately after South by. True, true, true. Yeah, no, we but just. But like, the flex does not change. Yeah, the flex was. Uh, this is how I feel. You yeah. can finesse anything if you act like you need to be there and you're kind. You know, if you're going to be that dick to everybody, everyone's looking for a reason to not make it happen for you, right? Yes. But for me, it's like you know, you walk up to walk into a place looking like you belong there and you talk to people as if you belong there and lo and behold they let you in you know so like for that that party that danny's talking about literally just walked up to the dude and he had like all these you know papers of like guest lists what was the event what was it so it was dj harvey or something like that yeah something like that dj harvey it was like he's a huge friends really wanted to get yeah yeah. he's a huge dj and he has been for like i don't know 40 years or something like that Mm -hmm. and you know he's normally playing these massive massive events and this was like a Red Bull tiny event, like 40 people only, like mm-hmm. private, private, sh- like showcase from this, like huge DJ. And it's like on Miami Strip or whatever. And so it was like, there's no getting into that unless someone has called you and been like, you are wanted there, you know? But so we just walked up to the door and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like we're on tour. We I just got off the plane. I didn't have time to like talk to the guy. We made up some names. Talk to Adrian or whatever that yeah. is. I'm like, we're supposed to be on the list. I'm just, uh, I didn't get all the details. I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to. And the guy was like, 
okay, so sorry, who did you talk to? And I was like, um, Dan, what was his name? And he's like, Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, and I'm just staring there looking at him. And, you know, like we, we look like totally flexed out because and, we were on tour. And we're yeah. with friends, right? So even our friends, yeah. it's like, oh, this is our publicist. Yeah. This is, this is our lawyer. <laughs> this is our lawyer. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, and so the guy's looking around and, and he was like, do you have anything? You didn't get an email from them? I was like, I don't know. I mean, I could show you like my Red Bull sponsorship page. Like I'm, I'm sponsored by Red Bull and whatever. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's fine, man. What's your name? I'm like, Tasha the Amazon. He looks through the papers, pretends to find me on the list. He's like, oh, there you are. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Crosses off some rando's name because I know I'm not on this list. Or maybe puts a line through thin yeah, air. Just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, puts a line through thin air. Like he was, we made him feel stupid. Like he felt bad that he couldn't find us. He was like, oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. And then, like, all five of us get into this exclusive event. That, that is at least three flexes in one. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. the flex of, like, this is my friend is supposed to be here as well. Yeah. The flex of, like, look at me on my phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got to pull every move. Yeah. But, like, but Tasha's not wrong. Like, if you're just friendly, especially, like, in South By, you, you want to make friends quickly. And that way, like, you help them, they help you. Yeah. You make friends Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're all helping each other get into, like, you know, ASAP's uh, private, like, mansion party or something. It it's actually was such a dope experience this time because, like, it did actually feel like a victory lap. I feel like year one, it's like, where's the plug? And the second year is like, okay, you're the plug. What's good? And this year, it's like, oh, shit, I'm the plug. I'm the plug this year. You know? <laughs> and like, Hooking it, people up. It felt good to hook people up, and mm. it felt good to be in a position now where, like— you have more value than just the music that you've built. Mm -hmm. You have a legacy and you have credibility yeah. and you have... Oh, there's so many people that, you know, get to a certain point where they are succeeding and they want to act like no one helped them get there and they did it all themselves and so they don't want to share it either, you know? I think number one key thing is to realize that, like, no come up is in a void. Like, you came up because of the help of people who believed in you. So when you when that turns around and you start having momentum, like you have, you got to turn around. You got to give that to other people. You know, otherwise it's like stagnant water. You got to keep it. Doesn't it feel good though? When isn't yeah, that the course. point of being exactly. on the come up to like put on your friends yeah. and like? But even just beyond yeah. friends, like even just like you know people that I don't know who I'm like I believe with you, but I, I believe in you. Like I, I really like what you're doing or whatever. You know, holler at them. Be like, let me know how I can help. Mm. I'm down. You know, I, I don't know. Like I'm not not trying to be hippie. I'm not trying <laughs> to be hippie, woo woo, whatever. But like. <laughs> I find that the more that you circulate the good things, the more that the good things come back. It's just a yeah, fact. Yeah. 100%. 100%. This podcast is all hippie woo-woo, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. I've never heard him say hippie woo-woo in my life. This is the first time for everything. Hippie woo-woo. Yeah, man. That plus five there as well, too. That's an extra, like... Plus one is one thing, but five or yeah. four other people. And when you said lawyer manager, did you tell them before that? Like, oh, you were you guys prep Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you say, yo, you're the lawyer. Yo, you're the manager. The, yeah. the team yeah, knows yeah. what they're... They, they got to know their role, is, yeah. 100%. And because they can't be surprised. You can't just say it. No, right yeah. yeah. No, they have to be in character. They, they were they were dressed well, they're too. pretty good. Oh, I would say dressing well is at least one, one of the many 30 flexes. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, I, I got to say, at one point, I was trying to introduce myself to... Uh, an artist manager and the artist manager introduced himself to me because I was so iced out. Yeah. <laughs> just like, he just walked up to me and was like, I guess I looked like I was somebody to know. So dress, dress, dress for the job you want. Yeah. That's, that's a major key right there, right? Yeah. Major key. Cause people like, who is this person? Yeah. yeah. That's how Jermaine Dupri signed Chris, uh, Chris Cross. I don't know if you know, they were <laughs> shopping in Atlanta in the mall and like, they weren't even rappers. Yeah. He's like, these kids look so cool. I asked them if they rap. They're like, no. He's like, I'm going like, to make you, you do rappers. now. Yeah. You do now. And then, because just, the, just they look the part. 
That's great. That's what's I up. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got you got a stunt like you're ready to run into your ex on any given yeah. day. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the flex. So I have like I have a question. This being your third year at South by Southwest, also touring. When you say when when you say when you ask when people ask you where you're from, they say Toronto. Does yeah. that have a different ring? That name, yeah, Toronto. Man. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think like it used to always be this thing. I mean, it depends where in the world you go. But, like, let's say we spend most of our time in the States. Like, I think that's where most of our shows end up being. So, like, in the beginning, it used to be, like, oh, Toronto. Yeah, cool. I've heard of that spot. Like, that's nice. And now it's more like, oh, shit, you're from Toronto? Like, I hear that place is, like, crazy right now. And then you get to be, like, yeah, have you ever been? And they're, like, no. Like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You haven't been Mm -hmm. to Toronto? No. So now it's, like, instead of being, like, you know, it used to be that rappers from Toronto were always going someplace else, always trying to get that, you know, like the Atlanta hustle, the New York hustle, the L.A. hustle, like wherever they could get in, you know. And it's still important to go there, but we don't have to go and, um, you know, siphon off some other cities high anymore. We can just go there and completely be like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. You know, this must have been like maybe only three years ago, but I remember it blew my mind because it definitely wasn't like this when I was in high school. You know, I, it definitely wasn't like this, uh, but I... I was in New York and I saw a dude wearing a shirt and it had like 416 all over it and like CN Towers and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I don't know this guy, but I'm like, okay, a familiar dude. He must be from Toronto. I'll holler at him. I'll be like, I'll be like, yo, what's up? I, you know, you're, you're from Toronto. He's like, no, 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 I'm from New York. I'm like, oh, I was just checking out, you know, all the gear and all the stuff like that. And he's like, oh, no, I'm just a big fan of the city. I'm like, that's cool. So, uh, so what do you like to check out when you're in Toronto? He's like, oh, I've never been. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's I get that that's a lot. I get that a lot online, actually. Like people a lot of are excited are about like, our city, and they haven't even been there. It's yeah. just off of a a feeling, a perception, and off of the ambassadors that come through. Mm. Do you feel like you might be ambassadors for Toronto in terms of like people are like, oh, I've never been. You're like, come through and I'll take care of you. Yeah, in the city. for sure. We do that everywhere yeah. we go. Everywhere yeah. we go. You know, it's like, even if they don't ever take you up on the offer, it's like, that's how you build, right? Like there's, well, just by extending that offer, we have like places to crash in like every city that we've gone to, you know, anywhere from like Pennsylvania to Missouri to, you know, Illinois, all over the place. Mm. And it's just like. I really dig what your crew is doing. Like, you should come through Toronto. Come through in the summer. We'll show you some, some what's up, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah. That's pretty important, isn't it? Like, a host, knowing somebody that's there to yeah. take care of you, makes your experience. Totally, you know, because we, we run through cities so often. And so many times, it's like, you have 24 hours. So, you can't really get to know anything. But if you can holler at somebody on the ground and be like, yo, I'm here. Friday night, I'm leaving Saturday morning. But, like, come through our show and then show us what's up somewhere else, you know. Mm. So, now that's like that's that's the build. Tell me about the tour life because you know you're touring everywhere, and uh, I think you said something like, "Yo, we really have fans. Like we have yeah. fans that we didn't know we had." Tell me about that. That London, Lon- yeah, like the Euro tour was what blew my mind because, like, you know, I mean, America is just next door, and we're all like, we're all, <laughs> we're all like, we're there all the time, right? And like Toronto kind of feels like a little bit like New York and whatever. So it's like similar vibes, and so people, it doesn't surprise me when we get out on stage in. Uh, in the States and people know who we are, but it was the first time that we'd gone to perform in Europe and we played for like, I don't know, 8,000 people in the South of France. And there was like, everyone's like crowd surfing and like going insane. <laughs> There's, you know, it was a festival, but just like we played second to headliner on this major festival and everyone turned up like insane. And then we w- we got to London and we played Coco London, which is like our Coco Candom rather. And it's like, 
this iconic venue that everyone performs at. It's like the spot that you play at just before you blow, right? That's how everyone knows it kind of mm. a thing. And we were like, I'm just so happy to play this place. I don't know if anyone's coming through. We hollered at the people we know in London. There's at least going to be 10 people, so I don't really know what's going to happen. And the place was packed, and everyone's singing along, like, all the songs. And then afterwards, people coming up and being like, I'm sad you didn't play this song, this song, this song from Whoa. your first album. And like, yeah. And it's like, if that's the very first time you ever perform in a city and that's your reception, you're like... She's happening, you know. You're really happy, yeah. Mm. And that's important—the the importance of traveling, right? Yeah. Because if you're just stuck in Toronto, man. Yeah. Totally. You could be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could think like there's nothing popping. Like, okay, I'm getting views on my SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah. But then when you go out, yeah, you're like, yo, this shit is possible. Yeah, I think the thing about Toronto too is like, it's a big city, but the amount of people that are like rap fans who are going to shows is actually pretty small. You know, so you can't get these people to come out every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every time you have a show and your homie has a show and your friend is DJing, you know. So, like, it can feel sometimes like nobody wants to come to a show in Toronto, you know. So that's what, for us, we only play in Toronto, like, twice a year, maybe, you know. Less. Less. Are you kidding me? That that Adidas show, that was probably the first time we played in Toronto in, like, two years. No, we played, we Uh played the uh, Pigeons and Planes show. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. That's true. But anyway, so like that's two twice in a year because then people come out. They'll be like, oh, snap, I haven't seen them for a minute. You know, they come through. But the only and that, that was also like a coming home after a bunch of shows. And we came home and played that show. And so people were like, oh, you've been traveling. You've been touring. I'm going to come see you in, in Toronto. But people want to feel that in Toronto that you left and made some successes elsewhere and come back and then go and make some successes elsewhere and come back again. Mm. What is it about that? You know, in New York, they say, if you can make it here, you'll make it anywhere. I would say for Toronto, if you make it anywhere, you can make it here. (laughs) Yeah. That's what's up. That's the quote for this interview. That's the headline right there. (laughs) It's just a screw face Toronto thing. Expand on that. Expand on that. It's just a screw face Toronto thing. Like, I think Toronto, we have so much talent and I think that we recognize it, but we don't appreciate it. Like, we look at somebody and say, that guy's got talent. That girl's got talent. They're, they're, they're doing something good. But we're not really ready to appreciate it until we've seen somebody else embrace them. Yeah, I think I think it, there's an insecurity in it. You know, I think, I mean, I'm not calling people insecure, but there is like a cultural insecurity that we have in Toronto where it's like you're always looking to some next man to tell you something in school. Like you feel in your gut, you're like, I really dig this. But are people checking for it? Like is anyone else checking? Like you don't want, nobody wants to be the first person to be like, I really fuck with this artist or I really like dig this track or whatever, you know? They always want to be like the second, third, fourth person, you know what I mean? And so then it's hard. It's really hard to like have like a cosign that means something in the city because people are like always looking left, right to their neighbors about like, well, how do we feel about this? Everything's like consensus, you know? And I think you don't really have that in a place like New York. Everyone is so brazen in New York. They're like, this is my track. I love this. Calling up their local DJs and be like, play this on the radio, you know? it's a, we're, there's, we're not brazen like that, I don't think, here. You know, I think there is like a little bit. What of, do you guys think that is? Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? Because say like uh, 10, 15 years ago, you know, obviously the it was even more you know, screw face. Mm-hmm, yeah, for and sure. now, but it seems like it's changing, but it's still there, isn't it? It's that mm-hmm. screw face mentality is still there that, you know, we, we look to our big brother, the United yeah. States, to validate our artists. I think, I mean, I think part of the reason it's changing is because we have, like, worldwide clout now. Like, Toronto is a place, like we were just talking about, it. you know, Toronto is a place to check for music. And it takes a while for that to be internalized by people, you know? This is still kind of a new thing for everyone in Toronto being like, yeah, I do travel places and people 
do really think Toronto is a dope spot. But like it takes a minute for that to be like internalized and you're like, yeah, no. I like my music from my city and this and that, you know. So I think it's changing, but it takes a minute. It takes People got to grow into it. Yeah. yeah. Like the major radio station just played all Toronto all day and that's the first time. Yeah, exactly. After, after a decade of, yeah. you know, what <laughs> yeah. we've been doing. Yeah. In, in, in I, I, I think yeah. I think it is yeah. changing. I also think it wouldn't be Toronto if you weren't always at least a little screw face. Mm. And I, I think like, I think it's just a natural product of the fact that we are like, I'm going to say it. I think we're smarter than the U.S., I think we're better educated. I think we're we're more inclusive. I think we're better at a lot of things, and because of that, we're, um, we're more we're more discriminating about artists. Yeah. You know, we look at them and say, "Well, that's good," but I feel like I could do that, or I, I know somebody who's almost doing that. Yeah, you know. But the reality is because there's so much quality coming out of the city, mm-hmm. and that's why we're so screw face. And that's also the same reason why the world loves Toronto, mm-hmm. but we maybe are hard on ourselves. Uh, but being the hard on ourselves, do you think it sharpens the art? I think artists for sure. Coming out? I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, it ha- it's a double-edged sword. I think it it sharpens artists, but it also deters people. You know, it, there is like a hump when you're starting out, where it, you know, where you like, I don't know if anyone is gonna really dig this. I've been trying for a minute, and like, you know, I played a couple shows, but like you said, everyone's screw face around here, and you're you're at that point where you're not playing shows in other cities yet. So Toronto really is your only feedback, unless you're like really popping off online or something. And so I think at that point, artists can go one of two ways and be like, I'm, just, I'm still going to do this and I don't care what you think and grow with a tougher skin. Or people duck out or they like, you know, wimp out on their on their music endeavors or something. So I think the people who make it past that point, this kind of our attitude definitely is sharpening them. They're always like looking to be better. Nothing is ever good enough. And so like every track you put out, you're trying to better yourself the last time. You're not just kind of formulaically doing the same thing over and over again, you know, which a lot of artists do in you know in other cities i think you know mm. do they just find a formula do that song 10 million times and and they have it like hits after hits right but i think that doesn't really happen for toronto artists because you know it's like that song was good i want the next one to be better i don't want the next one to be better than that you know mm. so yeah as as creators and producers of your own sound uh do you feel like uh do you feel like Toronto artists are making their own unique sound, or is there a lot of copy copying happening? I would say uh, there's a bit of both, and that's not that's I think that's true of every city. Like I think the people who haven't defined themselves yet, or who still kind of like trying to figure out what they sound like as as artists or whatever, you know, there's a lot of copying there. But that happens across the board. When you start out being an artist, you're kind of like. Mm. Let me make songs like my favorite artist or what's on the radio right now yeah. or whatever, right? And that's in every, every, every city that I've ever been to. There's some dudes handing you a mixtape that sounds exactly like, you know, I don't know, Migos or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think you really can't make it in any way if you're sounding exactly... Like, you can't have a sustainable career if you're sounding exactly like somebody else. Because, you know, the record labels are kind of like, well, what are you... What's the, what's your hook? How are you different? How can I sell you? How can I pitch you? Even that, you know? By the time you get around to copying it, it's already been copied. That too, you know? Um, you take a, I think the Toronto sound is already being done by people outside of Toronto. 100%. Yeah, and has been for like three years already. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Hmm. But I think, you know, any artists that actually end up making it out of the city or building a fan base that can sustain themselves... I mean, obviously, we sound like we fit in. You know, we, we, you can play us on the radio with any other city but there is something distinct like the, they've we've all carved out our own different niches yeah and I, I'm one of the reasons why I think that we've gotten such good feedback and we have been able to take off is because we aren't quote unquote the Toronto sound although I would say that 
our our sound is a product of Toronto, yeah. but just in, in not the way that the, the the popular sound is right now. And the people who are chasing that sound, I think they're gonna they're gonna be pretty disappointed. I think a lot of them already are. That like when people say it's like, oh, I want to be the next Drake. Well, the next Drake might not sound at all like Drake, and probably wouldn't because there's than, already Drake. Yeah, there's already Drake. You know, so you gotta find. I mean, you have to have you have to have the balls to yeah. be original. Well, you even Drake to. himself is always changing. Yeah, like now, exactly. Like people are saying, "Oh, New Orleans bounce is that the next thing yeah. after this song that just dropped?" Yeah. Like, what is what is it? What's yeah. gonna be? I mean, that's the yeah. thing is like yeah. that you can't really yeah. look to anyone else for what your sound is going to be because it, if it's not authentic, people can hear that. You don't ever want to listen to a song that doesn't resonate with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody does. If a song, if you're listening to a song again and again, it's because it does something for you, resonates with you somehow, and. I think people are, even if they, they're they not even conscious of it or they're not able to put it into words, like, you know in your gut when you believe an artist and you're like, yeah, that's actually, that's real life. Like, that's the, this this is how this person sounds naturally, mm-hmm. you know? And you know when someone is, like, trying real hard <laughs> to make you believe that, you know? You can just sense it. You can just sense it. It doesn't yeah. feel right. The songs, the songs fall flat, you know? They don't make you want to turn up. They don't make you want to, you know, whatever party or like sit around and get high or whatever it is that he doesn't make you want to live your life to that music, you know? And so that's why I think it's like, you have no choice but to sound how you're going to sound. You have to just be the best at whatever sound you're creating. That's why like if Gucci Mane is not the most lyrical rapper, but people... Dude, that's Gucci. They, yes. They you know, believe that's him. Gucci. That yeah. is Gucci. That I love is Gucci him. because yeah. he, they, there's no one else in the world that is Gucci, you know? Yeah. And that's that's what uh, yeah. you said. What, what did you say about like we don't sound like Toronto sound, but we are influenced by it? What did you mean? By I, that? I would, I would yeah. just say like you know, there's quote unquote the Toronto sound. We're, we don't sound like that sort of OVO washed out R and B moody whatever yeah, emo. But like you listen to the things that go into our tracks, like that dance hall influence, or like you know, kind of kind of weird world influences, and just like that that hard kind of like coldness. Like that's Toronto, that's yeah. so Toronto. Well, I think I think people conflate the term like Toronto sound with OVO because you know if you're coming from another city, that's probably your first person that you know, you know. But that's the sound of one camp of people, you know. And there's like several camps of music in the city that all sound like they come from the same place, which is Toronto, you know. And you know, there's like us and I don't know, like Claremont, and then you got OVO, and there's like Achille and uh, who am I? I'm forgetting a million people. A million people. You know, but, but like, but like the, the, Toronto is a lot of things. You have yeah. like that little Toronto hood rap. You have Toronto internet rappers. You yeah. have Toronto dance hall influence. Yeah, people. you have Toronto R and B. You have like you know, and so like they're all they all overlap, you know. But there isn't one Toronto mm-hmm. sound. I think there's like a. There's a Toronto attitude. I'm, for I'm sure. really try, uh, finding in the, the Toronto hood rap. Is, have you guys studied yeah. that? Is it a, like <laughs> subgenre all to its own? First of all, I feel like you know, uh, in terms of like you know, like say a lot of people have teams, publicists. It's all. I feel like the hood rappers just literally put out a video. Yeah. They don't try, and it gets a hundred thousand views like in two <laughs> days. I'm like, how is this possible? What's go- what's going on there? I think because half of them are in middle school. So but yeah, like, when you have, you have that closed community, right? Like yeah. you know, when you when you're done school, like where else are you going to be surrounded by a thousand people all the time? Yeah. And a thousand people can break a trend. But yeah. you know, when you're when you're a grown adult who's finished school, you know, a lot of those people may have already moved on mentally or whatever. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like you know, like music that I was making and like 
literally middle school and like you were the star in your middle school you know everyone's like oh man they're doing this thing this is so dope you know and like suddenly you are like the king of the eighth grade you know <laughs> and like if those people are all on Instagram and they're like reposting or they're all tweeting and they're like you know retweeting this it's like there you go there you have an overnight mm. smash but the problem then is like you said you know they don't have teams and so you have these like flashes in the pan where someone has this like huge song over the summer they're like 16 they have this huge song but there was no follow there was just no infrastructure there they didn't build you know they didn't have a team or anything and that's kind of like a missed opportunity that's a little too bad but mm. you know yeah, because they get views, and I'm like, yo, yeah. Toronto rappers, sometimes, some of them would be happy to have 20,000, 30,000 yeah, views. Yeah. The great ones get like 5,000 sometimes, <laughs> and like these guys got hundreds of thousands of views, yeah. and like world stars pop posting it, and I'm like, what's going on yeah. here? I mean, that's, I, I much prefer, for me, I mean, like as a person who likes to be, you know, we do all the production ourselves in our studio, mix and master and write everything, and I would much rather like craft something and have, the, like, I'm really happy with the build that we've had. You know, it's like a couple of years and stuff starts popping off, you know. Um, I mean, it's popping off all along, but I just, there's this like momentum that feels organic. Like to wake up one day at like 15 and have like this massive song, I think I would kind of be like, oh shit, like what do I do now? It's like you building know? a tower out of straws. Like yeah. it's just going to blow away. Yeah. You build your tower out of brick. That, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. that takes real time, but yeah. it'll mm-hmm. stay. How did you guys link up? Oh, we've known each other for like a long, long ass time. time. He was working on production before I was, and I was um, looking to learn music production because I was like, you know, working on a ton of stuff, and I just wanted better production chops because you realize really quickly that uh, unless you can produce for yourself, you're never really gonna get the sound that you want. Like you have a vision, and then you're just gonna buy beats from random beat makers or whatever, and the, it's really hard to make a coherent vision or like a coherent album or anything like that if you're just like piecemeal putting it together so i was basically like going and hanging out at any studio that i could get in and just be like i'm just gonna sit here and watch what you do and um danny had been producing a little bit too we were like i don't know like 18 19 or something like that and uh i was like just teach me what you know and like you know he helps me like put together my first production setup and like, mm. and then we've just been working together ever since then so, like, you knew her first as a producer or... or I, truthfully, I, yeah. I knew her just as an artist, you know. Yeah. I asked her, like, what kind of music she was into. And, like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize Tasha played in, like, punk bands and all kinds of stuff. She's super, super talented. But, but I said, uh, you know, I said, like, oh, that's cool. So is that what, you, what you're working on now? She's like, no, I want to make stuff like this, like, you know, hip-hop and electronic and all kinds of influences. And I'm like, oh. Is, yeah, you know. I think that's the thing. Like, I... I'm the kind of person where I will pick up and learn anything that's available to me. Um, if there's hours in the day, I'm going to fill it <laughs> learning something, right? So, like, when I was really young, I was, you know, I played piano. I taught myself guitar and bass. And I was just, I'm like, what can I do? I want to be making music. And I couldn't produce beats. So I was like, well, I'm just going to play instruments until I can figure out how to make beats. You know, so playing in punk bands and stuff, I mean, that was fun because you get to, like, stage dive and you're also the kings of your middle school. It's and, probably you know. one of the reasons why Tasha's such an amazing performer, too. Like, we get crazy, crazy reviews every time Tasha does a stage show. Yeah, I perform I like I'm still them. performing at punk shows, for sure. I, I love that energy. But, you know, then there came a point where I was like, I want to do an album. I want to, like, work on my vision and my vision is I'm not going to make some a rock album or something, you know, it's not going to be like punk. I want to like make the sounds of my head in my computer. And I, you know, that's like, 
I don't know, just basically a ton of like mentorships, you know, just like mm. sitting there, trial and error, buying whatever or like pirating whatever software anyone told me. They're like, you need this software. I was like, OK, I'll find that. Got it. Learn it in a week. What's next? You know, like how do I what else do I need in my studio to make this work? Mm. Yeah. You know, and I was I was never presumptuous about like, oh, like. I'm showing her stuff like we're going to work together. My attitude is like I'm going to show her some stuff. I'll see what happens. And if she wants to work together, I'll wait for her. Because I think like, you know, having worked with other people in the city, and I love a lot of people in the city, but Tasha's the most successful that I've worked with. Uh, you don't want to step on other people. You don't want to snuff it out before it's had a chance to bloom. So, you know, it, there eventually came a moment where Tasha's like, hey, like, I could use your help with this or like, this is what I have, but this is where I see it going. And it's, it's always been sort of a meeting of minds for mm -hmm. us. And it just evolved. I think at the beginning it was, you know, Danny feeling very much like, I'm going to help you get the tools together to make your sound. And then, you know, working together, it evolved so that. I mean, I think your your style changed as well working together. Like, that's probably you know, true. you evolved the sound that we that it, we have now. Like, we've both kind of built together, so it makes sense that all of the instrumentals and stuff like that. It's are one of my favorite things about producing is that like when you really develop a chemistry with somebody, it's like what you do with that artist is unique to your relationship. Mm hmm. Mm. And and what was like the pro the process of like so you, are you you're helping her record an album or like you're making the beats and she's what right now no no like oh, back then back, back then. then it was yeah, there was yeah. no project I yeah, just I yeah. I knew that there was going to be but yeah. I had a lot of learning to do and a lot of like playing around you know and so we were actually just like to to be real like on especially around the recording and the vocal mixing and all that kind of stuff that's like. I, I wouldn't trust anybody more than Tasha to do that. You know, I was definitely a lot more on the beats and the, the mixing on that kind of stuff. But even then, Tasha had produced a lot of her own stuff. And yeah, and just... vocal mixing, I actually, like, uh, that was another person. I was like, I want the vocals. Cause it, that's really hard. Like, mixing vocals to make them, like, radio ready is, like, most people just completely fall flat on that, you know? And that's where people burn so much money having to hire people to mix their stuff. And I ended up connecting with a producer who had done, like, a ton of stuff with, like, I don't know, like, uh, like Midi Mafia and Puffy and, like, and had also done some, um, like, production work, like, vocal production work for, I don't know, like, Backstreet Boys or something like that. Like, whatever. Like, that on that very, like, pop tip, right? And... So I was in his studio just being like, teach me everything that you know about vocal, editing, mixing, recording, everything. Like, I just, I want to be the best person in this country at that because I don't want to have to shop my vocals out. Because, you know, the nice thing I think for us is like, we have our own studio. So if, if it's like three in the morning and you want to drop something, you know, go in the studio and record real quick, you can do that. And the song can be done by morning, you know? Um, and I don't have to, we don't have to give it to anybody be like, here's like, you know, a thousand dollars, mix this and thousand dollars, master it. We just, mm -hmm. everything happens in our studio. Um, so while he was, you know, helping me become a better producer instrumentally, um, I was kind of tapping into everything I could to become a really good vocal mm -hmm. producer as well. And then, so then we're like skill sharing, you know, I'm teaching Danny that. And he's I wonder because you were like obviously uh, very eager to learn and just 
all these people, what do you think it was these, why do you think those people accepted you? Like the producer for Backstreet Boys or, or Mixer or whatever. Like mm. you're going to all these studios, you're getting master classes for, yeah, for, for free, free, for free, just yeah. spending your time and your energy. Yeah. What do you think allowed those people like, I think you know, this is yeah, the thing, yeah, you know, like yeah. I said before, act like you belong and be kind, you know, everyone, everyone that I've ever met in this industry who has a lot of experience at anything, um, Loki does want to share, you know, like it makes you feel good when you have something to teach somebody. But the caveat is that that person needs to be excited about it and actually like make you feel like you're not wasting your time, you know? And so for me, I was constantly always just like, teach me everything you know, you know? And that's really rewarding for somebody who's been in the industry maybe, I don't know, 20 years and like when's the last time they felt really excited? They're kind of just like, you know, doing the same stuff over again all the time in a studio or whatever mm. for hire. And to have this like young kid come in and be like, whoa, what you just did there, that blew my mind. And they're like, this nerdy shit, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, that I think that just really inspires mine and remind them why they got exactly, into it as yeah, well too 100%. and there's this energy that they're getting from you as yeah, well and yeah and you know and if you go on to do things they can say hey I, I yeah I, exactly you I know? taught that girl everything she does exactly. and that's what I'm saying is no you can never pretend like your come up was all you all your own you know like mm. think of it if you stop anyone anyone who's done any kind of success stop for 13 seconds you can come up with a name of like a list of 20 names of people who helped you get where you are you know so I think Keeping that in mind, and then also when when you have something to teach, bringing people in. And if you know if they have questions, even if they're super rudimentary, and you're like, "How do you know that already?" You know, just be kind, give it to them. You're like changing someone's artistic career. That's incredible. You know. Hmm. So you, I believe you like you know what are the instruments you know how to play? Because there's like a right? oh a bunch of instruments. Okay, yeah. so piano. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was classically trained piano player. And for a while, like when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a classical piano player. <laughs> and then I was like, then obviously I discovered music that I liked. And I was like, okay, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Um, and then I picked up guitar and bass, um, tenor saxophone. Um, oh, I play some weird flutes. <laughs> yeah, name those flutes. Yeah, shakuhachi, which is like a... Um, you know that you know the like Japanese wind flute that's like mm. ooh sounds like Zen music or whatever one of those uh, and the bansuri which is like the like Indian raga like traditional flute sounds really badass I don't I think it's really badass <laughs> I, I really just play the keys but I did pick up drums just to, not even because I wanted to play but because I wanted to like become a better drum producer yeah I I like. That was around the time when we started working together. It was like maybe like I don't know a half year, a year later, and he was like, "The one thing that I would like to be better at, you know, because like instrumentally, he's was where I was playing piano as well. But he's like, I really want my drum programming to be like next level. And then took a bunch of um, drum lessons and stuff. And like I could say hands down, like I don't ever <laughs> really finish drum tracks on any of our songs. I'll put in like the basics, what I think, whatever. But I really phone it in because I'm like I'm just. Obviously, Dan's gonna do the drums, you know. I I love those drums too. Like yeah. I still remember like doing like one creative session. Um, it was actually with with my homies Osime. Shout out to Charlie Black. Shout out to Chris Nova. Holla, holla. Holla, holla. I, I remember we did a tr we did the track for uh, for back on my bullshit, and I, there's like ten layers of drums on that track, and I did it all in one day. And we went to like another friend's studio at the end of the night, and they're like, man, like who did these drums i'm like i'm like me it's like how like how long did this take you i'm like a day and he's like i don't have the patience for that <laughs> yeah. it's it, and it, it, that's what it is though it's not like like talent vision sure but like to to 
make a track that has all those layers and to make them all work together, it's like you have to really want it. You know, that's like you can either be the person who's like, okay, it's got a hi-hat, a clap, and a bass drum. We're cool. Or you can be like, mm, let's let's make this pop. Let's make yeah. this interesting. It's got to be like everyone has that thing that you can just kind of you're in the zone. And that's kind of like, you know, some people like to go to the gym and they just run for like an hour and like, you know, they go to their happy place or whatever. I think for Dan, like music production is that like drum programming, stuff like that. You just to watch him, he has like so much fun. He's just like sitting there. He's like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. You know, and you, everyone's got to find their thing, what that is, you know. So I want the key here, though, like is you already obviously maybe you started out what an FL or something like that in terms of. Oh, dude, I, I've, I've been producing since I was 13 and I, okay. produ I produced on some weird open source thing that like didn't even make sense. It wasn't even meaty, you know, but like. I, I just I just shifted gears and and some OGs put me onto Cubase, mm -hmm. you know, and and I even now I'm like I'm like one of the me and Tasha are like the only people I know who are using Cubase, but it's just like yeah, I was like okay I don't want to use this indie whatever stuff anymore I want to be legit and they say well this is legit so you're like okay yeah it was a learning curve it was a jump but and we tried a lot of platforms out you know but. Everyone always asks, like, oh, what do you guys use for production? It doesn't even matter. You just no. use whatever you you get used to, mm -hmm. right? Whatever you can move around and maneuver the fastest because that's you just need to get the music done, right? But you learned it, like, say, on a computer electronically first, but then later you're like, I want to know the real thing because it'll help me on. Yeah. Straight up. Right? You know, there, there are even times where I want to, like, I did record even a couple drums that I played in, like, because I wanted, like, that kind of gritty sample feel and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was just to, like... I don't know, just to be better with percussion, better with rhythm. Mm -hmm. And like even uh, even having played drums after like years and years of piano, and I, I didn't quite get to the level Tasha did, but I was pretty much concert level. Um, you realize, oh man, like 80% of music is rhythm. You know, the same way that like 80% of language is actually body language. You know, you may not appreciate it because you're listening to all the notes and the melodies and the words, but like it's just where all the words land <laughs> that's that's what drums taught me yeah mm. that's how some producers maybe can't even read a music note but yeah you know boy one does an example right mm -hmm. like no professional like he just his ear and yeah. his feeling off yeah. it and he's one of the big you know the best producers that to come out of this country and mm -hmm. it's like i gotta know, say yeah, so, yeah. you you gotta you gotta sometimes unlearn a little bit of stuff yeah mm -hmm. like you know i've 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 we both have a really good technical background and even like, you know, you take a look at something like Cubase, which is like the OGs use it and it has so many details, but then you remind yourself that, wait, there's some young blood who's, who's doing this off of like just a laptop and some stuff that they downloaded. Garage and it's because, <laughs> it's because they just, they got the feeling Yeah, and you can't, you gotta always go back to the feeling. Mm -hmm. mm. So what do you, what do you, what's coming up? Like, I know you guys are, Working on something. Yeah. Literally, yeah, yeah. what day is this? This is Monday? Yeah. Okay, so last week was literally, I was like, I'm not answering my phone. I'm not doing anything productive. I'm doing whatever I want to do. I'm like, I'm going to leave you alone, Danny. And then this week is our first week back in the studio. So this is like really exciting. We have, we have a couple like instrumentals floating around that we've been, we were able to make like from the road or whatever. Um, and like just stuff to bring together. Um, almost finished songs. But really, the number one thing right now is we're just going to be writing nonstop and I mean we're not even like worried so much about putting out like an album or a mixtape mm. we just want songs like just songs 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 you know like so I like to you mentioned that. a point when you came back from touring you said I am me time yeah 
Like, I'm yeah. going to do nothing. Dude, I was so burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> Just really burnt out. I think Danny was too. We, we'd been saying yes to every opportunity. Yeah. Because, like, first of all, that seems like the right thing to do. And also, like, you know, when you grind and grind and it seems like it, your your next opportunity may be few and far between. Somebody says, play this show here. You're like, yes. Yeah, Somebody it. is like, you know, we're going to put this song out here. You're like, okay. Yeah. And you, and you just do it and you do it and you do it. And uh, I'm really proud of the stuff that we've done in the past year. Yeah. As I mean. As far as the shows and all that kind of stuff. But the the in a way, we're victims of our own success. Because like. We wanted to be, ha- we wanted to be doing this writing um, in the fall. fall. So we had we had structured everything. So we'd be like, back, let's write a ton of songs. And then in the springtime, we're going to like just drop you know, singles all the time. But then all these opportunities came up in the fall. We just couldn't say no to. We had like a Google commercial, like an international Google commercial. We had to like write a song for that. I'd like the Adidas show and then went back out on tour. Like a bunch of people wanted us all over the place. And then it's like, you can't, you can't really justify saying no to that. So we quickly, you know, we, we recorded ways and we recorded in, uh, intercontinental just because we're like, we want some new songs out this minute. So we did those. And then on the strength of like that, the success that, that, that's of those. more opportunities. Yeah, you know, we got a billboard, a Spotify billboard in, in Dundas Square. And then, you know, then for the month, you're the it kid. So then now you got to go play a bunch more shows, you know. Like, like I'm going to be a, a little vulnerable here. Something I'm trying to do a little bit more. Mm. But like right now, I'm excited because like we have people who are offering us very interesting deals. I'm not just talking about record labels and stuff like that, but I'm talking about ways to get the music out in 2018 that haven't been done before. And South by Southwest, I connected with artists that like I legitimately like have been a fan of for the past while. And as excited as I am about all those things, none of it matters if we don't finish this damn music. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think this happens to a lot of artists. They ride their own wave because obviously you have to. You never know when you're going to get that wave again. But, you know, some, some sometimes people drink their own Kool-Aid and they ride their wave so much that when they finally stop, it's like people are not checking for them anymore because they just haven't put out anything, you know. And so it's difficult because, like I said, like Danny and I do everything so it's not like we get off a tour and there's beats waiting for us and there's hooks written and you just got to get in the studio. It's like, okay, now we're going to go. Now we're going to like research sounds, make new drum patches, like program new synths. And then we're going to get in and then we're going to like make the beats, choose the beats, write on the beats, record them. So, you know, we really have to buckle down and be like, this takes music. time. It takes yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And it's fine. It's fine. We, we definitely have like figured it out, but we just, because we, we operate with such a tight ship burnout, happens you know you just get burnt out we we have some good stuff some stuff that i'm excited about but it's not done till it's done yeah yeah Hmm. yeah you were talking about vulnerability i would like to know like for each of you guys can share an individual story of like what was most the most challenging low point on on this journey that you've been on Hmm. how vulnerable do we want to get all the way (laughs) man (laughs) um I don't even know. Danny, you got one? Nope. Well, I, well, I. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I did my vulnerability for the day. Um, you mean from like from my entire like recording career or from the last year, do you mean? Uh, I would say your entire recording career. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why is because like, uh, you know, we've had some real stories shared yeah. to us by, uh, by people who've been here, you know. 
you know, I had Michael Jackson's key, former keyboardist, Greg Fillingains. He was Michael yeah. Jackson's musical director. He played the keys with Michael, Stevie, Eric Clapton. Yeah. And, you know, he, I always like to tell the story when I'm promoting the podcast, like this guy played with Stevie, like in the seventies in Kingston, Jamaica, and mm. Bob Marley opened up for them. Like he's giving me all these stories. And then I was like, near the end, when I asked him this question, He's like late 50s, early 60s, and he's like, Chet, I'll be honest with you. I'm a session player. I'm a keyboardist, but nobody's calling me out for tours right now. Yeah. And I just had baby twins. I have a wife and an ex-wife, and the bills are yeah, that's real lining shit. up. Yeah. And I was like, bro, you just tell me all these stories. You were Michael's guy, musical director, and Quincy and all that. I'm telling, You're telling me you could still go through this? He's like, this is the journey that I chose. And in this journey, a paycheck doesn't come every week yeah. or two weeks like a regular job. I have to learn how to manage I think my money. Yeah. And you also have to be humble. I think that's the thing yeah. is people who aren't in this industry, you know, if you're only looking at musicians or your favorite artists from afar and you only see them in music videos or on their Instagram feed, you don't know that person at all. You know, people like to act like they know their favorite rappers. You don't know this person at all. It's like... My job is I'm an entertainer, right? So, like, our, my music is entertaining and it, I have a good time. I use my music to have a good time as well, you know? And, like, obviously being vulnerable in the music as well. But, like, day to day I am also a regular person. So is every musician. And, you know, I think that's why when you look online and people are being, like, really, really, like, really cutthroat and tearing somebody up online, you know, like some artists they don't like, they don't like that song, they're going hard. Like, you think that person's not reading comments, you know? Like, somebody goes and writes a ton of shit about, like, I don't know, let's say Rihanna or something, like, you know? Like, she's not going to read all of the all of the hate online, but it's coming through her feet, you know? She's seeing that, you know? And that's a real person with real emotions. It doesn't matter how famous you are, who, what tour you just went on, how much money you have, whatever, like, being human is being human, you know? So I think being an artist is... You have tons of those ups and downs, I think. But we have a hard time. I think artists have a hard time sharing it because our job is, like, to put forward, you know, like, a, not a facade, but, like, you're, you're making this kind of thing for other people to have fun with or enjoy, you know. And they don't necessarily want that to be three-dimensional all the time. Have you guys had moments and points of saying, yo, why aren't we where we want to be? What's going, like, why aren't we on yet? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, like, a, a story. And, okay. like, I, I could think of a low point. And the fact is, even when I think of the low point, it probably even just got worse after that for a minute. Mm. I remember, you know, we went out to, to L.A. Uh, was, and it, that was an exciting thing, like, to go out to L.A. for the first time. We had some writing sessions scheduled. And, like, because we were scrambling, even, like, we had to cancel a couple of them. So that already sucks. And we'd spend all this money to go out there. And while we're out there, we're going to film a music video. And we got, um, you know, we we spent all this money on uh, renting like this this mansion in in uh, the hills, which is supposed to be pretty dope. Um, already spending a lot of money, and we've gone over budget, so we're thousands of dollars over budget. And I think the last straw was that like we rented a car, and you get the estimate online, but that you go into the thing and it's, it's the <laughs> insurance, like, double the and, price. The, and 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 the environmental fee, and the and this, this fee and that fee, and like. You know, I'm pretty even, you know, I'm a pretty relaxed dude, but like the, it just got to me with the money, you know? And I remember we were sitting in the, in the Roscoe's chicken and waffles in, in Inglewood. And we were like, we were, we were pissed off. We were mad. We were fighting. I was stressed out in a way that I'm not 
that I don't usually am. Uh, And that was a low point to be like, oh shit, like the money is really a thing. To make matters worse, like that's a low point already. I would say that was a pretty low point for us. But the the next low point was that when we got to the the mansion in Beverly Hills, it wasn't at all like they had advertised. The video director, Colin Cooper, who we work with on all the videos, was mad disappointed because it was— It ended toward, up being a scam, basically. It, well, that, we only find that out. <laughs> yeah. there's, 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 a, there's a twist ending to all this, right? You know, the, the floors are cracked, dirty, handles are flawless, falling off all and stuff like that. broken furniture. Bur- broken furniture. We're not even allowed in some of the rooms that we planned on filming in. So, you know, Colin's a genius. The video still turned out good in my books. He's, he thinks he could have done so much better. I believe him, of course. But we made do with what it was that we had. It's the video for uh, my level. From my level. Yeah. Uh, and that turned out okay. But then to add insult to injury, they made us pay a, a really large, like painfully large uh, security deposit in U.S. dollars. And I'd even called in a favor from a friend because they sprung this on us at the last minute. And I had to call in a friend to be like, dude, I'm asking to borrow a lot of money. You'll get it right back. It's just a security deposit. These people disappeared with the security deposit. Yeah. I paid it was my, not a trivial amount of money. I, I pay, and I paid eventually. I was just like, I can't, I can't mess with my friends. So I paid out of pocket. I scrounged together what I had. And you got to imagine we were already stressed out about money at this point. And man, that's a low point. Yeah. Um, the, it was all, it was also really difficult because that was like, you know, we, it was, we had all these tracks and we're like, we're going to do videos for all of them. And push them all. We had like, it was like that year before you start making money where you know you have to spend the money to get anywhere. Like you need the videos and you need to like, you know, you need the PR people and you need all the stuff that costs a ton of money. And you're like, where is this coming from? And you just convince yourself it's like just six months, just six months, just spend that money for six months and then things will start to pop off, you know. And obviously they eventually did, but it was like a year. Well, that's the know? thing. You ju- you don't know. Like, even though, you know, say it's like, oh, I know if we spend this money now that in a year the money will come. I don't know. I didn't know that at the time. If somebody, had, to- if somebody had told me at the time, maybe I would have handled it a lot better. But fact is nobody tells you that you're about to be on. A lot of people, I bet, might even give up before they're about to be on. Mm. Like, you talk about a moment where you think about, like, what the hell am I doing? Mm. Yeah. You know, the twist is that just this week we found out that it actually was a scam that the people who run that mansion are being sued by a bunch of other people who rented yeah, for it of for parties of and stuff yeah. like that. And so we know where they are. We know who they are. We're going to get the damn money back. <laughs> but the, but, but <laughs> the, uh, the irony is like now that's not I mean, it's still a, a meaningful sum of money. But based off of what we've accomplished in the last year, it's like I'd already forgotten about the money and I don't we don't care about. The yeah, money. no, that's that's and it's an amazing right position to be in. But, you know, you don't you don't know that mm-hmm. when you when you're just before that moment. How painful was that that moment when it you're was, in that? Yeah, I mean, it was really, really difficult. I mean, all of us were like, we're going to make it work. And we're all really level headed people, you know, so we did make it work. But it's just one of those things where like it's adding insult to injury. You know, you're like. There is like, it was like one of those years where, like 2015 or something, I think. 2016. 2015, 2016. end of 2015, yeah. 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 And it's just like one of those years where it's like, bam, bam, one thing after another, one thing after another, you know? So, yeah. <sighs> I mean, I think it, that's, it gave rise to the album. You know, it's, the album ended up calling it Die Every Day. And like the title track from it is literally like this, the, the feeling track on the album. It's like, this is not a party track. This is 
the real shit. You know, this is like basically the way we lived that whole year was like, wake up, do everything in your power to make this happen. Sleep for a couple hours and then do it all again. It's like die every day. Like, you know, wake up, give it all every day. Yeah. It's that, you know, I, you know, I'm Italian, so I, I love Rocky and I lo- also the, the remake with Creed and all that kind of stuff. And like, there's that moment where like you're knocked down and like, you know, you get back up and you may even get knocked down again. And like, I am absolutely sure that like a lot of these fighters get knocked down and there's a point where, like at least as soon as they hit the mat, we're like, I'm well, staying here. Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But then you realize you have 10 seconds. And so at least for eight seconds, you could put yourself back together. Yeah. And you count to eight and at eight you stand up and you just brush it all off. I think that's, that's what that track even captures for me, you know, like the, you know, die every day you know reborn every single time because like you just let go of that fear and the and the fear of pain the fear of loss the fear of like that's going to be it and you just say what else am I going to do but get up yeah and I think you know you asked before like do you ever get um you ever look at where you are and be like why am I not where I want to be I feel like when I hear people talking about their careers, about like, this is where I want to be and blah, 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 blah. And this is my three-year goal and whatever. Uh, I'm like, that's that person who hasn't gone through that shit yet. Because you can't, you don't come out the end talking about your career like that. Like, I don't, I don't talk about my career anymore in terms of like, um, oh, I'm, I'm mad, like I'm not where I want to be. To me, I'm like, dude, we're like, we've done the impossible as far as I'm concerned, you know, we've done the impossible. We're like, we've had this year of successes that nobody does independently, you know, like we are contending with people who have major record deals and millions of dollars behind them. Yeah. Even when you look at the award nominations, it's like, we'll be the only legitimate independent artist there. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. Yeah. And you know, so a lot of people just can't build in this way because it entails these kinds of failure or not failures but like roadblocks severe severe roadblocks and you have to just continue finessing and so now i'm like i don't there's my career could go in any one of a million different ways and i would be so happy you know and i think at the end of the day it comes down to what we want to do you know it's like i wake up tomorrow and me and danny talk about like a new goal and we just work towards it and we do it like i i've feel very confidently that I'm never going to be like, oh, snap, I didn't get this thing. And it's because my I, my version of success doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Like it's, I'm not looking for someone else to co-sign me or sign me or, you know, make something happen for me. And if, if when you're putting your, your idea of success in other people's hands like that, you're also giving them the, the possibility that they can make you fail. And if you're just keeping everything in your own hands, you know, you're not relying on anybody. Obviously you are collaborating with people and those people are helping. Like we talked about before, you know, we have a great team. We have amazing PR people. We have amazing lawyers and we have really great people who are helping us with publishing and uh, booking. Our booking agents are amazing, you know, and, but those relationships aren't dependent relationships. We don't, we don't depend on these people. You know, we, we work together with them because they really, really fuck with our music and we really, really fuck with what they do. And so it works for all of us. And there's no like, 
there's no sense of like ownership. Our we own everything about our career. So like you know that's where you can kind of just turn around and be like, what success do I want today? And go for it. Hmm. Yeah. That's uh, the one thing about uh, you know when I talk to anybody, like whether it be a guy who's developing an app, whoever. Uh, I tell him, yo, like that's the one thing about entrepreneurship or controlling your own destiny. Yep. Even even if you fail at the end. The person who you become in that middle, that journey, the way you're totally. enriched and the way you grow yep. is just ridiculous. Like, yeah. are you guys seeing that in yourselves? Yeah. I would say even more than that, it's yeah. like literally nothing lasts forever. You know, like you you have a career. It could be three years, could be five years, could be 10 years. Who knows, right? But like what matters isn't that it ends. What matters is what you do with it while it's around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. That was so deep. I'm speechless right now. <laughs> uh, what is currently inspiring you guys? Oh, that's Individually. So hard. It doesn't have to be music, anything. Um, it's I, I find that question always really, really hard because I don't I don't like um I don't seek out inspiration explicitly. You know, I'm never like, well, I'm going to like watch some movies or like whatever. It's it's just kind of whatever is permeating your life right now is your inspiration, right? So, it can be, I don't know, man. Like I Jeez, I've been meditating a lot lately. I mean, stuff like that. I read a ton. I'm constantly reading. I feel like all my inspiration is like completely non-musical. Mm. And that's why I can like take it into music. If my if my inspiration was all musical, I feel like I would like bite too hard or something, you know, but so I like bringing in like ideas to me, ideas, I have a head full of ideas that translates into music and art. Straight up. I think like what's inspiring me on the same tip is myself. Like you, you get to a point in life where you feel like it's like, okay, this is who I am and this is what I'm capable of. And then you take some risks and you see them work and you realize, man, like there may be all kinds of other things that I might still be learning about myself. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, I, I say that not in an arrogant way. I feel like that's something that a lot of people should embrace, especially as artists. I was never uh, a super emo artist. You know what I mean? Like the stereotype of an artist to me, it was always kind of a joke. It's like, oh, it's all about my art. Like, don't don't <laughs> criticize my art. My art is like my children. You know, I can only, I, can only, I live through my art. You know, like I always thought that stuff was mad corny, but like I actually, it's actually started to make sense for me recently because you realize that like for, that's where some of the best art happens where it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a cerebral dude. Like I produce I, the meticulousness of the drums and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's where I shine and I love the craft, but you realize the greatness of the music comes from, it's like, listen, it's not always perfectly sorted out. You know, by the time it's perfectly sorted out and you tell somebody about something that happened, you're just like, oh, yeah, this thing happened and that's just what happened. It's in the moments where it's not sorted out, in the moments where it's still kind of up in the air and you put it out into the world. That's when people really catch the feeling. And that's when you can really hit people where they are because they might be going through it, too. Um, that's inspiring me to be to be living uh, in a call it riskier way. And to see it working and to be excited and to be like, yo, I'm like, I don't know. I, I think athletes are creative. 
uh, you know, a lot of people don't think of athletes as artists, but they, they are artists. And there's, there must be this moment where like you're out there dribbling the ball and you're like, mm, maybe I'm going to try this stuff. And then you do this thing and you, you get gassed on yourself. You're like, I can't believe I just did that. And you realize it's like, wait, I might be Michael Jordan. I might be Kobe <laughs> Bryant. And like, that's, that's an exciting feeling. Mm. Yeah. That's inspiring. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, a lot of artists treat their art, and especially musicians, I think, like especially in rap, um, we treat the art like that's the end goal. You know, it's like I'm hustling to make these tracks so that I can, I'm a rapper. That's what I do. I rap and I put out songs. For me, it's like music is a tool, which is why sometimes, you know, I have like, it would be super dope to be the biggest rapper in the world and be like Kanye West or something like that, you know. But whether that happens or whether it doesn't is secondary to me. To me, the music is the tool for, I mean, not to sound super corny, but I feel like there's a better way to say this. But like, you know, exploration, you know, it's like, like I said, I really like ideas and look, like it, looking at ideas and making new ideas and talking about ideas to people and making something that never existed before. So to me, it's like, I'm going to use music to do that. I paint, you know, like write all this stuff. It's like, they're, they're acting like they're your arms, you know, they're just like extra limbs to understand the world by. So that's how I treat music. Hmm. So that's like, kind of like inspiration, I guess. You're also leaving a legacy behind, right? Like your, your body of work. Yeah, of course. You're looking back, you can look back on that as well. Yeah, and that yeah. you can see that, you know, you can see you can see yourself living through phases. You know, when you listen to an artist's body of work, you're like that's when he was going through the this thing and that's when she was feeling that and they she just got out of that relationship and started dating this new dude, you know, like you can see an artist grow through their art, you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. That's the best legacy, not when it's like contrived and it's like, oh, that was the album that came out in 2006 because that's what music sounded like in 2006. And then, then they hopped on that thing. I don't think that's that doesn't really make a legacy. <laughs> I appreciate the conversation that we've been having so far. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners or they being creatives or a student going through exams right now? Anything Jeez. that you want to leave uh, the people with? Any last words? Study hard and don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> Danny, you look like you're gonna say something. I'm struggling to find the words. You know, yeah. I, I, it doesn't have to be super deep. You know what I mean? Do you? I'd say that's like really just like the realest, realest piece of information. People say, "Do you?" and you're like, "Oh yeah, 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 I'm doing me." But like, actually, do you? And that usually you can't even figure out that you're not doing you until you're like, you've done a ton of stuff and you look at and you're like, that wasn't me. You know, whether that's artistic or that's how the clothes you wear or what you're studying in school or whatever. We spend so much time actually just trying to get away from other people's expectations of us. You know, I think so much of growing up is living through other people's expectations of you, doing what you think you should be doing, doing it the right way, whatever, and slowly dropping that until you like are actually doing you mm. you know i think and that's a it's a lifelong journey you know i'm doing my me better than i ever was before but you know i'm hoping that at like 60 i'm like fuck everybody i'm doing yeah. me you know <laughs> that's a real one like fear and uh, uh other people's expectations yeah that's why it's when, so deep yeah. inside you don't even realize you're living yeah. other people's expectations you know you don't know you don't realize 
That's why when people are older, you can see their freedom. When Quincy Jones is in an interview, you see yeah. all this wild shit. Yeah. I love Quincy Jones. First I love Quincy all, Jones yeah. for that. I love Quincy Jones before that, but I love Quincy yeah. Jones for that. First of all, obviously, he has the credibility to say whatever he wants, but then the old age a little bit, you're like, ah, oh, leave him yeah. alone. That's <laughs> kind of how I feel about, yeah. like, Erica Badu right now. Yeah. And why she, like, owns the internet right now is because, I don't know, she went away for a while and, like, to have babies and become, like, a midwife and do whatever she was doing. And then she just hopped back on the internet doing whatever she wanted and saying whatever she wanted and wearing weird hats and people are like, dude, Erica Badu is on one. Like, she's on one. And, like, she gives me all all of the life because, literally, if you feel like, oh, man, I really want to do this thing, but what are people going to think? Go and look at Erica Badu's timeline, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny because want. some of the artists, like, say the Cardi B's or whatever, because, like, you know, people love her because she says what she thinks, yeah. right? She's not... Might not be like a, a PhD speech yeah. like that, but like the innocence of like how she just says totally. what she wants. Like, yeah. You know, that people love that authenticity. Yeah, well, that's what that. we were talking about before, you know, yeah, like you yeah. feel it in your bones when someone's being authentic and yeah. somebody is just like, you know, blowing smoke. I, you know, if I could go back, yeah. I, I would be like, I wouldn't be so afraid of making mistakes because you take a look at somebody like Erica or Cardi or somebody like that. They say things and sometimes people are like, what Yo. the hell did they <laughs> just say? And like, Maybe somebody would have a problem with it, but they're not afraid to make the the mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, truthfully, if you own a lot of things, they're probably not even mistakes at all. Yeah. But it comes down to those expectations that you wear and that you carry that like, oh, is somebody unhappy with me right now? Yeah, I was reading this article about like social media, like stars who have their social medias like managed for them and it was like i don't know it was like just or yeah justin bieber and selena gomez's manager talking about how like you know they they're all in the habit he's in the habit of like getting his stars to message him their like tweets and instagrams before they post them just so that he can be like no nah, i don't think that's really the look and stuff i'm like on what planet am I running my anything's by someone being like, is this cool enough? Can I can I post this? You know, I think that's like that's the very like clean pop way of doing things. But if you're going to be an artist with any kind of like actual emotional grit in there, you got to You can't be afraid of what people are going to think. of You put that stuff out there and deal with the repercussions. But you're still being you. Even though like whatever you think the worst mistake is, it's completely fixable and chances are that you may think it's a mistake but other people might not even notice people might even celebrate it so i wouldn't be afraid true that tasha the amazon and danthrax thank you for coming through on the come up show thanks for having us appreciate it yo i hope you enjoyed my conversation with tasha the amazon and danthrax thank you to those guys and for being honest and sharing their journey make sure you look out for their music and follow them on soundcloud instagram wherever you listen to music spotify apple music and all that good stuff if this is your first time tuning into the coming show podcast subscribe we're on apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud and so much more and check out our previous interviews we got quite a catalog each and every Wednesday we do this my name is Chetto thank you for tuning in I'll catch y'all next Wednesday peace